Welcome to Paint Radio with your hosts, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. Pandemic Paint Radio, that's what this is. I'm Andrew. Emily, how are you? I am doing a-okay. You were hesitant. I had a joke in my head, but I decided not to move forward with it. And in doubt, don't. But once again, COVID continues to affect our podcast capabilities, blocking us from our regular studio. The enemy has us pinned down, but we can't blame the equipment, right, Emily? The professional today. equipment. We can blame you, though. When I so beat you, stick with that. you didn't blame it on the fact that you were running in heels, right? <laughs> when I beat you in Connect 4, you didn't complain that we were using my game set instead of yours. I know is rigged. <laughs> rigged Connect <laughs> Yes, it would be it's called. It's difficult, but I know you figured it out. And if you make fun of Connect Four, I can't be your friend. The thinking man's chess. I mean, it's how many people, <laughs> right? You've heard that. Yes, of course. Okay. Well, not only is this paint radio, this is lifestyles of the prepped and finished, where we get to know a contractor better about what type of business they run, why they do it, what makes them tick, how they fill their tank. And it really just helps us remind everybody why it's so great to be a painting contractor. And that's why we're excited. Today's guest on Lifestyles of the Prepped and Finished, Nick May, owner of Walls by Design in beautiful Denver, Colorado, though not as beautiful as Boulder or Colorado Springs, where Emily and I live. Nick, you're welcome for that lovely introduction. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. And I don't know about Boulder, but I definitely know that Denver's much better looking than Colorado Springs. You know, we're having some technical difficulties. I think we just lost you, Nick. We need to meet up and play a healthy, competitive round of Connect Four, Nick. You know that? I heard you guys talking there, and I was like, wow, that's bringing me back to, like, fifth grade. You play a lot of Thinking Man's Chess back then? Yes, and I remember pieces flying across the room. Because your opponent rigged it. Actually, the guy that I used to play, he would rig lots of games. I know he was a big cheater. I won't say what his name is, but if he's listening, he knows who I'm talking about. Like Andrew. Sore loser, Emily. Come on. So, Nick, we're excited to talk to you because, I mean, obviously we always talk to great, interesting contractors, but you've certainly got some unique interests that don't all fall outside of the contracting business or the painting arena because... You know, whether it's your uh, podcasting and your media stuff that you do, certainly within the industry, your business brush group, which we'll talk about, sort of your focus group of painting contractors, really cool stuff that you're involved in. But let's get started. I mentioned that your company is Walls by Design. Again, you're in Denver. So if you could, for listeners who haven't met you, aren't familiar with with your company, give us the tale of the tape, what type of work you do, how long you've been in business, that type of stuff. For those of you who have not met me, it's nice to meet you. I do live in Denver, Colorado. I've been here since 97, and I started my painting business in 99, but I did start painting back in college, and I did that for five years because I was on the five-year plan. Andrew, were you on the five-year plan by chance? Not. I was on the four-year plan, and I've made it very clear to all of my kids. They They are especially on the four-year plan. Yeah. I was. I was on the five-year plan. I say it's because I transferred. We lost a few credits. wasn't my fault. Blame the equipment. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I painted through college doing exteriors, then got out of school. My dad used to always say, Nick, you're going to school, so you don't have to paint the rest of your life. And I was like, yes, I don't want to paint the rest of my life. Had some jobs, went back to painting. 
and uh, I've been doing it for 21 years now as of May 1st. Wow. Wow. What'd you do in the interim? What were you doing when you Oh, my goodness. You know, no one, Emily, has never asked me that. No, really? I've said that story. I don't even know how many times and nobody has ever asked me, what'd you do in the meantime? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see if I can remember all the different jobs I had. The first job I had, I worked for Pulte Homes. I was a warranty supervisor and that was actually the best job I had. I had that job before I graduated. That was in South Carolina. Then I quit that because they were building horrible homes in South Carolina, but it was the dumbest career move I ever made in my life. Doing that or leaving that? Leaving that because I I was making probably, if I'm doing the math, I think it was making like $35,000 a year. This is back in like 95. Living in South Carolina where it was like dirt cheap to live. I had just gotten married and I had no plan B. So what happened? Were you just over it? No, I was horrible. They were Customers were complaining they were building bad houses. Anyways, so I left there and I went to work for a company that sold water purification systems. That was really one of the low points in my life because I was going into trailer parks and selling all on credit to these people. It was horrible. Then I went to a company called the George S. May Company. No relation to me, but they were a management consulting company and I was selling that on commission only. That was a hard time. So then I started waiting tables (laughs) to eat, literally. And uh, I did that. And then I became a youth pastor, uh-huh. I was a youth pastor for a year and a half. And uh, then I left that and I was inside sales for a telecommunications company in Cubeland. Oh, yeah. Affectionately known as Cubeland. And that's where the idea of Walls by Design came about. I started in Cubeland, too, yeah. doing inside sales. I was the same inside. company that owned APC. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, yes. I won't details, but I was a dancer on Broadway until I broke my leg, and so I had to get into this. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine you dancing. <laughs> but enough about me, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, what made you decide to come back into painting and open up your own business? So every day I'd go into Cubeland, and I would sit in my cube in the morning and think, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because this is not it. It was the first time I ever had a job where I actually had to be behind a desk and like be someplace at a certain time and stay there until another certain time. And you got 30 minutes for lunch or whatever it was. And it was very stifling, just did not mesh well with who I am. And then my wife and I had just bought our first house. It was New Year's Eve. I came home and I announced that we were going to paint. I was tired of white walls, feeling like I was in an apartment. And so that evening we went to Home Depot because... That's what you do on New Year's Eve is go to Home Depot. Really, it's probably because it's the only place open. And did you know that it's a very popular thing to do on New Year's Eve? Because a lot of people had decided to do the same thing. And if you've ever been to Home Depot, you know that there's like one person behind the counter. And that was the way it was that evening. And so while I waited my hour and a half for my paint, because that's what you do at Home Depot, I was helping all these other people figure out what rollers to use, what brushes to buy, what primer they needed. And it was at that moment I had the aha that that's what I knew and that's what I needed to go back to. Oh, so Walls by Design. We've got the origin story. Give us an understanding of what type of work you do now. Today, fast forward 21 years, we primarily do interior painting. Walls by Design actually does 100% interior painting. We have just launched an exterior paint brand that is separate that only does exterior painting. And it is actually called EXT Paint. 
that actually is a unique offering in that homeowners go online and produce their own quote. And so there's no sales people involved. So we focus on residential interior painting and probably 80% of our painting is cabinet painting. We got into cabinet painting very early and developed some really unique and efficient systems for cabinet painting. I like to say, nobody has challenged, I've only had one guy challenge me on this. I like to say that we paint more kitchen cabinets than anybody in the country. We do between 20 and 25 kitchens a month. How could anyone prove you wrong? I don't know. I had one guy that said he did 25 to 30. So Mm. I don't know. Couldn't prove that either. How many people do you have working for you? We have, I think, about 18 total between the office and the field as of today. That can change tomorrow, though. You never know. But we also have integrated doing trim carpentry and tile. So now we do tile backsplashes in all of those kitchens. Well, not all of them, but lots of them. And we have just recently added bathroom remodeling. So we're doing lots of tile now. So how is this changing your hiring slash training strategy? On the tile and trim side, I only hire experienced older guys for the most part, like guys that have experience. And on our painting side, we like to hire guys that have little to no experience and train them in our process. Do you specifically target people who work in cube land? No. On the painting side, I target people that have been in food service. That's a good group. Sense mm-hmm. of urgency. Yeah. Actually, Andrew and I were just talking about this. His daughter is looking at becoming a bartender. More specifically, we like people that come out of hotel food service or big Mm -hmm. business food service because they have lots of systems and processes. And that's what we're all about here at Walls by Design. And so if they come from that world, they understand that and it's easy for us to train that. You've got these various niches. One, the EXT, that's not a separate business, right? Some of the same employees. So what, what was the thinking behind branding that differently, that offer advantages? I'm sure it offers both advantages and disadvantages. Why go that route? We make some pretty bold statements and guarantees on the walls by design side. And so we say that we give a lifetime warranty and we do free touch-ups for as long as they live in the house. I cannot do that on the outside of a house. So we just really wanted to create a clean break that it was very different. We're not full service. I always explain walls by design as the Starbucks of painting. Lots of systems and processes, but we're not white glove. You know, if you think about it, you go to Starbucks and you get the same cup of coffee, whether you're in Chicago or L.A. or Milan, right? It doesn't matter. And the unique shop that you're in or store, it has a very similar feel, but it's a little bit different. And then when you order your coffee or your latte or whatever you get, you order it on one side of the bar and then you walk down to the end and you pick it up. They don't bring it to you. It's not full service. And so that's kind of the best way to describe what Walls by Design is. So when I first started my business, we were very much the white glove. I like to joke that we were behind bars more than anything, worked in a lot of gated communities. We would do anything they asked. And we went through the downturn in 07, 08, and we realized that customers were willing to do some of the work themselves, move furniture, get things ready so that we could just come in and paint. And so at that point, that's when we kind of changed our offering. Now, we will move furniture for people, but probably 95% of our customers move their own furniture because they want the discount. So then also the tile service on the walls by design, the interior part of the, the company, what led to that decision? It was just, you just felt it was an opportunity to upsell or that people tend to do both at the same time? What was the thinking? We got over there over time. A lot of the things that I've added 
into my business as a direct relation to what I need at my own house and I can't find service for it. And so we moved into a new house about five years ago. One of the previous owners of my house was the Catholic Church. They actually had built the house, which was nice because then I had a nice finished basement that was all outfitted for an office, which is what we used when we first moved in. But every door to a bedroom had a deadbolt lock on it. (laughs) Now, I'm just going to go the high road and say it was because they had a lot of guests that probably came in and visited Denver. And so they did it for that reason. Who knows? But uh, anyways, I knew I needed new doors throughout my house because that was weird. I tried to get contractors to come out and give me a bid on not only replacing all the doors in my house, but also the rest of the baseboards and whatnot. So it wasn't a small project by any means. And I couldn't get anybody to even show up. And then I thought, well, maybe I can put this on Craigslist and hire somebody. Well, that part was easy. I hired a guy and Tim did a fantastic job. It took much longer than we thought it would, but he did a, probably the best trim carpenter I'd ever seen. And as a paint contractor, I've seen a lot of them. And so we just thought this is a good fit. People ask us all the time to, if we knew a carpenter to add crown or change out hardware and cabinets, because I was never going to give my painters a drill and say, oh, go shoot some holes in those and put some new hardware on that because I knew that wouldn't go well. And so we kind of tiptoed into trim and it worked well with his changing lifestyle where he had just gotten divorced. And so he started with us part time and it just grew from there. And then we realized he could do backsplashes. And so when it was time to paint the cabinets in my house, I said, well, you told me you could do tile. Can you do my backsplash? So he did my backsplash and we kind of sat on it for a bit. But then enough people kept asking us to do backsplashes and we finally just let him. And that part of the business kind of exploded. And so recently we decided that we might want to bring somebody else on. So we brought somebody else on a couple months ago, again, part time, filled his schedule up. And so now we've just hired a third person. And it kind of just dawned on me, these guys that I'm looking at to hire, like they can do anything. They can do whole shower pans and the work that they were showing me was just kind of ridiculous in comparison to what we were going to have them do, a little backsplash in the kitchen, right? So we wanted to do our master bathroom. And so we decided, all right, let's move forward with this. And as soon as I literally came out of my mouth, we had customers asking us to do it. And so we will most likely have to hire a fourth person in that division to keep up with the tile demand. So you've been through multiple expansions 20 years, 99, you said, right? So you've been through Mm -hmm. the downturn of 08, a Mm -hmm. pandemic now. What would you say over those 21 years, what were some of the most challenging times in your business? Can you think of one that was just especially tough to get through? Early on in my business, I decided that I wanted to expand and I got into flooring and flooring led into remodels. And then I brought on a partner and just doing everything and anything. And it was a mess didn't do my due diligence on the legal side with the partnership and he didn't know what he was doing and I was relying on him to do his deal. Then finally, basically fired him and found myself in about $250,000 worth of debt, combination of having to buy him out because I didn't do the legal process correct when he bought in and then having to pay for projects that he wasn't managing properly. So that was the hardest thing I ever went through. And slowly but surely, we dug out of that hole And at that point, I was doing anything and everything from wallpaper, new construction, interior. I don't think we were doing a whole lot of exterior. I just wasn't going after it. I was even doing faux finishing. Um, We used to do a lot of faux finishing early on in my career. And we paired it all the way down to just paint. And that's how I dug out of the hole. 
focus, focus. And it sounds like you've done a lot too with creating systems and processes for your business, essentially. Yeah. And early on, I didn't understand how to do that. I remember Mm -hmm. early in my business, I listened to on audio, the E-Myth, and I think I probably listened to it about 12 times, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. Like, how do you work all day, come home, do an estimates, and then find the time to create a policy manual? Like, it just, I just couldn't get it ever done. And probably about 10, maybe eight years ago, my wife and I were up in Breckenridge with friends at their place and having dinner. And she asked me, she said, Nick, do you think there's room? I'm thinking about going and and offering to build systems and processes for small businesses. Do you think there's a need for that? And I said, yes. And can we start on Monday? And we did. And that process took us about six to eight months of her coming in to my business, interviewing me of what the process should be, then talking to my guys and asking them, okay, now exactly how are you really doing it? And then turning to my customers and saying, okay, how did the experience go? What went well, what didn't? And really identifying the red flags or the potential places where there was failure. And then on the other side, we came out with a policy manual. And once we had that, that's when my business started to solidify and I wasn't putting fires out all the time. Because everybody was clear on yeah, what, and I would say, what the system is. Right. Well, it was probably, you know, 80% more clear than it was. I don't think we had all of the systems. It's still been an ongoing process to refine that. In fact, three months ago, we went through it again and filled in a ton of holes and added like 30 pages of documentation and um, more processes and more systems that we didn't have in there previously. And we turned it from a one part document into two parts. So it originally was just for the painters, but we started to add processes for the office and all these other things that they didn't really need to see. So, and at this last time that we made changes, we made a true painter manual that has everything that they need so we can hand to our painters and then an owner's manual that has everything else, sales, project management, office procedures, and all of that. How long are both of those? How long is each of those? How many pages? The painter manual is probably maybe 30 pages and the owner's manual is probably 60 pages. Nice. What does your structure look like now, your organizational structure? What's like the management team? How do you have it set up? So we have painters in the field. They report to a project manager who manages all of our projects. We have an estimator out in the field. I do some estimating as well, but Rachel does probably 80% of our estimates right now. And then we have a logistics manager. He moves all of our trailers. So unlike most painters, we don't run vans, we run trailers. And so I have one guy that moves our 14, 15 trailers. And then... In the office, I have an office manager and an appointment setter. Then we have an interior designer on staff that does all of our color appointments. And as we are expanding with the tile, we are also expanding in interior design services. So we have had a lot of customers say, hey, you did great on the colors. Is there anything else you can help me with? And so we're expanding with those services as well. What do you love about what you've created, where you are now? What does it allow you to do? What do you feel like you've achieved? What is it that you love about what you've created thus far? I love that I own a business. You know, everybody wants to talk about working on your business, not in your business, blah, blah, blah. I kind of think that statement's a load of crap because even though I have moved myself up the organization to what I would consider a general manager position, I still have to work on my business and in my business some days. But 
I probably only work in walls by design, maybe 20 hours a week. And so sometimes I'm traveling, not so much right now, but last year alone, I probably was out of the office and not working my business at all, whether that was I was doing you know, media stuff in Denver, but for the media and marketing stuff that we do, or I was completely out of the state, I think 59 days last year. And so I do that and my business continues to run and I don't stress out about it. I mean, I remember several years ago when I left and I had to call my mom and say, hey, mom, would you take my phones for a week because I'm going to Dominican Republic and I don't know what I would do with my phones. And I was stressed the whole time, not only about the phones, but the guys working kind of leave and you're like, oh, hopefully something's there when I get back. But now I've been on two week trips to Europe. I've been, you know, I travel a lot. Most of my travels now are shorter stints, but in the summer, I'll go for two weeks at a time pretty consistently. I don't have to necessarily check in a ton. I have ways to monitor what's going on. We have a lot of reports that the gals in the office kind of keep up for me so I can just dial into those and see what the call reports are and sales reports and what the schedule looks like. And so I don't even have to talk to anybody. I've created the business I always wanted. Was that hard? Like, I mean, I assume that you have a number of key people in place now. And after your situation with your partner very early on, Mm -hmm. is it difficult for you to bring people on and like truly trust them with the things that you needed them to do? I do not have trust issues. I'm a delegator at heart. (laughs) (laughs) And I joke it's because I'm lazy. But the truth of the matter is I do work pretty hard and I do work a lot of hours. But I know what I'm good at. And I think that's one of the problems with a lot of painters is they think they're good at everything. And I'm not. I'm not good with detail, but I'm good at systems and process. I'm really creative and I can look at a problem and I can come up with a solution and a solution that will work long term. But don't make me do that system on a daily basis because I won't do it. And that's why I've been fired out of so many positions in my company. (laughs) You know, they're like, they don't want me to sell. They don't want me to project management. They're just like, Nick, just go back in your hole and just kind of do whatever you do on the computer and whatever. But and for the love of God, don't talk to anybody. Don't talk to one of our customers. You're so good at talking, though. (laughs) The problem is I'm good when people are all happy. But when somebody gets unhappy, I'm not really great with accepting something, especially when it's kind of a ridiculous problem and I don't agree with them. I have been known to call customers stupid. I've gotten much better at that, but I've, in fact, there's a Google review up still from a lady that I called stupid on the phone. Yeah, that one hurt. I've learned not to do that anymore. But yeah, that's not one of my skill sets of conflict resolution. I remember one time it was a customer that I'd worked for for several years, actually, and they're fairly wealthy in part of town. And she'd come into my office and we were working on a brand new project. And I literally did call her stupid to her face. And she got up and as she's standing up, I just remember thinking, oh, that was dumb. Speaking of stupid. (laughs) Yeah. And I never saw her again. Yeah. So we didn't do that project. Yeah. Sometimes I don't stop those things from coming out of my mouth that should. So, yeah. So I don't, I'm not allowed on the phones. And um, when people are like, I want to talk to the owner, they're like, um, you probably don't. Let's just try and work this out. (laughs) (laughs) So you are good at delegating that. You're good at knowing what you're not. I am. I am. The other part is I'm good at understanding like holes in the organization. One thing that I talk about a lot is making sure that you have redundancy. And so you were asking me about, you know, having trust issues and whatnot. And one of my beliefs in the way I run my business is that everybody will leave at some point. It's a matter of when and how. 
And so I have to treat my employees really well so that when they do leave, they do it well. And But in that, I have to make sure that we do have redundancy. So if somebody, my biggest point of failure for a while was trim carpentry because I had my one trim carpenter. If he got sick or anything else or quit, like what was I going to do? Well, now I have a tile guy that can also step in and do trim. And uh, right now we're trying to get some redundancy in our logistics area. So we are trying to hire somebody that can help out with the tile guys, do demo and some of the stuff that just we don't need a skilled worker to do. But we want him to be able to or her to be able to drive vehicles and pull trailers. Because right now the only person I have in my organization is our current logistics manager. So we need to have somebody else that can also do that job. So you spend about 20 hours a week on the business walls by design, the painting company. Brief reference to the media and the business brush. So let's move in that direction. What, again, for listeners who aren't familiar with IMAY Media, explain that to us. Let's start with the media side. What, what are you doing there? I won't go into the long story, but six and a half years ago, I started a podcast for interior designers. And the whole reason I did that was to market my painting business. And I would interview successful designers from across the country. And that led into me going to events for interior designers and doing panel moderation and public speaking and doing all those kinds of things. And people started asking me, hey, Nick, are you going to start coaching interior designers on their business? And I said, no, why would I do that? I'm not an interior designer. And then I took a step back and I realized, you know, I probably could do some of that for painters because I've built a successful business. So then we launched the business brush about two and a half years ago for paint contractors. And we do a lot of the same stuff that I do for the Shays Lounge, interview thought leaders, but mostly interview successful paint contractors in their business and talk about how they got into this, kind of like what we're doing right now. Then we started doing events and really teaching people how I've built my business so that hopefully they could take some of those things away and put systems and processes into their business and be successful. Well, the very first one, my digital marketing director was speaking and Tyler has a tendency to speak very fast and people are just kind of like shaking their head. Like, what did he just say? Uh, And I had about four people walk over to me while he was talking and they said, well, can he just do that for us? And I thought, Oh yeah, I think he could. And so that started our marketing division. And so we do, we're actually just in the process of launching a website. I made marketing And so under that umbrella, we do websites and SEO, SEM, and very soon we're going to be doing some video work for people and offering video as a service. We started selling our policy manual that I created. Now it's the two documents. We only sell that to people that come through our classes because I feel like they need some background and understanding of what all that's talking about because I am not in the business of trying to recreate Walls by Design in everybody's business. I want people to look at the systems that I've made and say, oh, how can we do that in our business? So that's how we sell that product. And now we've just launched. I did a Kickstarter campaign this week, actually. First time I've ever done that. And we launched Roadmap to Profit, which is basically our crank event that we have been doing here in Denver. And it's an online course. We fully funded it in one day. But that's a a way for people to put systems and processes into their business without having to come to an event. Was it COVID-19 that pushed that forward or is that something you've been yeah, we were, with for a while? Yeah, we were tinkering with it, but COVID definitely gave us the time and energy to kind of flesh it out. 
And then when I decided to launch the Kickstarter campaign, I knew that would kind of light a fire under my ass because now I got a deadline. And so now we're, we're trying to have that course completed and written so we can launch it to that beta group on June 1st. What are your plans? Because like you said, you do live events. How mm-hmm. many live events do you typically do a year? Over the last two and a half years, we've done two a year. We currently have an event that we have scheduled to go to Mexico in November. And we're trying to figure out if we should still do that in November, if we're going to push it back to January. Such a weird time for events in general. Hopefully you guys will be able to move forward with that though. Yeah. Originally I was going to go down and see the space in June, but I don't feel like I can go yet. So therefore I'm really heavily thinking about pushing that back to January. We have some deposits from some folks that have already committed to go and I'm going to talk to them and see what their feeling is, but it'll happen. It just may get delayed just a little bit. You're not alone in that boat. I know a lot of people are are Mm -hmm. facing very similar things. So you've got IMA Media. Let's talk a little bit more about Business Brush Group. We talked about it a little bit, but you've got a Facebook group. Tell us more about it. So I launched the Business Brush Group actually just so that when I turn the microphone on or or uploaded our stuff into iTunes, I'd actually have somebody listening to me. me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's become a great group, a great resource. You know, lots of the contractors that are in there and we only talk about business. We do not allow any paint talk, actually. You can't talk about products, like how to use them. And the other thing we don't let people talk about is how do you price? You can talk about the structure of coming to a price, but you can't talk about, hey, what's your price for painting this cabinet set, right? Because I'm a big believer that we all have to figure out what our own price is. And so just to take what somebody else prices something out, that's a recipe for failure. When you guys have, I've, you know, I peek in there and you all have a lot of good, interesting conversations typically going back and forth. Like there's not a lot of junk that yeah. you see. Yeah, we moderate. I moderate a ton it pretty close. Of time on there? Yeah, you must spend a lot of hours working on that. Well, we always have our phone on our hip, right? And so yeah. I'm in there several times a day. And I think I'm in there less now than I was when we first launched it. Because when we first launched, it was like I was the only one talking. So in order to keep things going, I had to. But I have other moderators. And we have people that have been in there since the beginning. And people are very passionate. And they monitor it for me. We've only actually kicked out a few people. You know, we make sure that people are respectful and we keep the conversation's positive. You know, a lot of the stuff that happens in these bigger groups, we just don't allow to happen. You know, the funny thing is we have a very low barrier to entry to get in. You have to answer three questions. It's like, how many painters do you have? What's your favorite paint? And do you agree to our rules? (laughs) Like that's, it's not hard. (laughs) But so many times I get applications to come into the group and they don't answer them all. And so we don't accept people into the group. So we've just gone over a thousand people in the group. And I know there's lots of other groups that have 20, 30,000 people in there, but um, we want them to be engaged and we have a highly engaged audience. I think typically when I look at my stats, we're at about 85% engagement from people. So there's not a lot of people not doing anything. So it's been a great group. I've heard it multiple times from people, especially during the start of COVID. We just had a lot of information coming out from different directions. We had some great people that had a lot of great information coming straight from much bigger resources, lawyers and accountants and stuff. And so that passed it on to the rest of us. And it's helped us navigate a lot of this crap. It's definitely been a lot of crap. 
So how about outside, because this is Lifestyles of the Prepped and Finished, obviously you spend a lot of time on kind of other businesses and branching out into other things. Tell us a little bit more about your personal life. Well, I'm married and my wife and I next month will have been married 25 years. So we're wow. very excited about that. Congratulations. She still likes me most days. <laughs> and I have two boys. They're in high school. I have an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. And I think they like me most days. And we have two dogs and they like me every day. So they're my favorite. Um, <laughs> they're definitely my wife's favorite. I know that. I used to play soccer. I recently kind of retired because I kept getting injured and it was really kind of a pain in the butt. But when the gyms are open, I usually go work out twice a day, morning and then evening. I'm not much of a television person. I don't really watch sports. My hobbies are business, which makes me boring to most people, but that's okay. It's what I like to do and a lot of fun. I love lakes. I'm a lake guy over an ocean guy. I grew up going to a lake and spending every summer with my grandparents. So it's a big part of who I am. Do you like boats or paddleboarding oh, yeah. or windsurfing yep. or what kind of things do you do on the lake? I grew up water skiing and so I barefoot water ski and slalom what? ski. In fact, I went to college in at the University of South Carolina. I was on the water ski team there and I was able to do some did jumping and competing and just having fun. Lake life is fantastic. If I didn't live in Colorado, I would live somewhere that I would I could be on the lake probably eight months of the year. Right. So where do you go in Colorado? I don't. We don't have a boat anymore. I had a boat for a little while and then I sold it to my dad, which was way better because then he paid for it and I would just go visit him up in northern Wisconsin. And what about the future? What are you hoping to get into? What's next for Nick May? Gosh, what's next? There's some things that I'm very excited about that I can't talk about, but I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the very near future. The plan is to continue to grow the painting business. People ask me all the time, so when are you going to shut down the painting business? And I say never. For one, I don't believe in retirement, so I got to have something to do. But coupled with what we do with IMA Media and in particular, the business brush, I believe it gives me a lot of street cred because I talk about what we're actually doing in my business right now. And it's a great learning environment. I have a team I call the marketing ninjas that I'll have the ideas. I'm an idea guy and then they'll go do it and make it happen. And then we can share it with our folks that follow me. But we want to continue to grow both businesses. We've added, I think, two or three people on the IMA Media side just recently. So that business actually has like six people now. And then we hope to continue to do more tile, more paint, and more exteriors as we move forward on the walls by design side. And I want to get back to Europe. Personally, that's what's in the future. Man, I like it. And by the way, Nick sounds so crystal clear. It's because he's a podcaster. He's sitting in his own studio with a high quality mic. He's not speaking through the phone. That's why he sounds so good. Correct. And I'm sorry if I sound better than you. Because <laughs> I know you're waiting on some new equipment. There's going to be a documentary about what we've gone through in these past two weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I made several attempts to enter. I was beaten back. Took heavy enemy fire. A heck of a show. But you absolutely sound better than I do. And I'm okay with that. Nick May, Walls by Design. If you want to check out his website, go to wallsbydesign.com. What other entree point could listeners learn more about you, Nick? Yeah, I would say check us out on Facebook. Business Brush Group would be wonderful to have folks jump over there. And if you have business questions, I mean, there's just so much content there. People are blown away when they get in there because we've got paint contractors that have three, four, five million dollar painting companies. 
And then all the way down to guys that are just starting and gals, we have decorative finishers that are in that group. We have commercial painters that are in that group, you know, Gina Quartz in the group, and they have a huge business. So it's a big, wide range of contractors. But the one thing is we're all in there to learn from each other and talk the business side of paint contracting. Because most of us get in here, it's kind of like by default. And one day you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, now I have three guys. Uh, What do I do now? I tell you, if there's one thing that runs through every one of our lifestyles of the Breath and Finish podcast, it's that you don't have to love any specific element. It's not like contractors all love the same thing, but man, you've got to love something. You got to find what motivates you within your business life. Hitch yourself to that. Let it carry you. Build the structures. Work hard so that you can do what you love and be passionate about. There's resources out there. We're one of them. Nick. Thanks for spending the time with us. You sound great. Keep up the good work. Emily, we're going to get this solved. We're going to get new equipment. We'll be back better. Awesome. Well, when Emily does return to Colorado again, and we can actually go to a restaurant or a bar, you guys should come to Denver because I'm the middle point for the two of you. And and I will take you to lunch. I will take you to my favorite lunch spot. Maybe I already took Emily there. Did I take you? The Indian restaurant? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not my favorite. That one's pretty good. Historians. Rooftop. Uh never been there that's the favorite around here because it's one of the best rooftops that's on broadway and they have one of the best burgers even though i went plant-based i will still kind of go for that every once in a while and tons of great beer nice well i'm looking forward to some social non-distancing right (laughs) thanks for listening everybody you can find out more paintmag.com just click on the paint radio button tons of podcasts there for you we're rooting for you thanks for listening having a great day listening to paint radio